Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden with the Continued Education Workforce Training at ISU at the College of Technology. And Paul, welcome. Good to see you on the show today. I'm I'm glad to be back as always. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be a good show. Um, I we have a guest today um, who's in a field that I know nothing about, and I'm really excited to learn more. <laughs> no, I I know so little about our conversation today that I literally got on the internet last night and just tried to learn just the terminology. So that just tells you how out of the the loop we are today. But that's not a concern because we have an expert on the show today. And she's on the, she has hosted several of our podcasts. And Ray Lynn, we're so glad to see you today. And really, we're glad to see you today because we're counting on your expertise and knowledge to kind of carry the show today. So Ray Lynn, welcome to the show. And I'm glad to see you. And, um, and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. It's a good, good day. Good. So you've got an exciting event coming up you want to share with people. We do. We are so excited to um, be able to have the Emergency Medicine Conference hosted at ISU. Um, PMC, Portneuf Medical Center, is our corporate sponsor for this event, our title sponsor, and we are excited to be able to do this with them again. Um, Conference is scheduled for April 30th and May 1st. Registration opens March 15th. Um, This will be located here in Pocatello on the ISU campus, and the cost is only $20, um, very nominal cost. We have um, brought in Eric Bauer. He's the CEO of Flybridge as our keynote speaker, and we're super excited to have him, as well as all of the other presenters that we've lined up. Um, You're in for a treat at this emergency medicine conference. Well, and that... That's exciting because uh, last year we, thanks to, uh, well, I mean, it was a little bit, you know, about the same time last year, but uh, they had to cancel the conference due to the the COVID uh, and the pandemic issues. So we are extremely excited to be bringing back this year. So good job. Way to to bring that back. We're grateful that we're on this side of it and um, it's it's exciting. Very nice. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Raylan, you want to introduce our guest today? I'd love to. So we have really the expert. I'm not the expert on interventional radiology, um, but we do have Dr. Jared Bailey. He is the director of interventional radiology at Portniff Medical Center, and he's a partner in Medical Imaging Associates. And so we are grateful to have him here to share his expertise and knowledge in the world of interventional radiology. 
Well, thanks uh, for having me, uh, Jason, Paul, and Raylan. I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here. Interventional radiology is a, a great field. Um, I, I'll just introduce myself re- real briefly, if that's okay. Absolutely. That would be great. I'm actually not native to this area. I was born in Switzerland and uh, grew up there for at least a few years and then spent the majority of my teenage and kind of where I have always called home was in St. Louis, Missouri. I did my education, my initial education here out West at, uh, at BYU Brigham Young University and then did most of my medical training again back East in the Midwest. I was at Ohio State, Indiana University and then did my kind of capstone fellowship training at the University of Michigan. And I knew I needed to come back West. I was really missed the mountains, missed all of the outdoor activities that I had been grown, had become used to growing up. I grew up in a big family with nine siblings. And, and so I brought my wife and five kids here out to Pocatello and we've been here now for six years and I, I don't see us leaving. We've really loved it here in Southeastern Idaho. Well, that's awesome. We're grateful that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the West has that kind of hook, doesn't it? Once you kind of get it in your blood, it's hard to get it out. Well, you know, I'm from back east. When I moved here initially, I, I just went, wow, there's a lot of space. <laughs> <laughs> but wonderful, wonderful place, wonderful people. Right and, it, you know, we didn't have any family in this area. We have family in, in, in some in Utah, but um, it was really the job and the opportunity to build an interventional radiology service here at Portland Medical Center that brought me here. Oh, um, you know, Dr. Bailey, I'm coming into this cold. So um, what is interventional radiology? I, I, I Again, I, I, I did not go online like Jason last <laughs> night and look it up. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very broad field that is extremely technology driven that has led to lots of minimally invasive approaches to treating things that patients are used to having to have really major surgery for that are often now treatable as an outpatient setting um, with little more than uh, a, a needle puncture um, to, to, to get their treatment. Treatments. And and so it's a, basically the simplest way to kind of think of it is it's really an image guided, an image technology rich guided procedure or surgery that allows us to do um, minimally invasive things that, you know, again, required bigger stuff. And, and I know our focus today is a little bit about, you know, on, on, on stroke side of things. And, and that's, you know, kind of almost the forefront of where interventional radiology has taken us is the ability to do something like remove a clot from somebody's brain that, that is the cause of, uh, you know, stroke and so much mortality and morbidity in our country today. So when you say imaging, so are, are we talking about, um, surgery with a camera then is, is that what we're talking about uh no so the a lot of our procedures are catheter divi- divided and, and i would divide our kind of specialty into two parts there's the vascular and the non-vascular part you know people who have a new tumor that is discovered unfortunately need a biopsy of that and that used to all be done open that's all done with needles and we use ultrasound ct or rarely mri to guide a needle into the tumor and get a sample and uh, you know, um, on the vascular side of things, not a camera, but really radiation or ultrasound is what we use to guide catheters, wires, needles, balloons, stents, or in the case of stroke, you know, uh, a big catheter to suck out the clot. 
and no cameras. It's all basically ultrasound and CT that we use to guide things. So kind of like radar. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can see directly what you're doing. You know, when we use devices that are sensitive to ultrasound or radiation, um, but oftentimes we just see indirectly, um, not not like you would with laparoscopic surgery where you actually put a camera in there. Huh. Did you have a question, Jason? Well, no. I first of all. I, I guess I have a personal story and I don't want to take it all away from Dr. Bailey, but my father had a stroke this past summer and um, I get now when they say they removed the clot, now I know how they did. So um, it, it sounds like to me as scientific as it is, and I'm sure, and it is precise. I mean, my dad's 80 years old and, and if he wanted to, could probably do a cartwheel. Uh, that's how he recovered. But uh, it sounds like it's a by feel almost there's must be, there must be more of an art to it than maybe even a science. It, it sounds as as detailed and as small as it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there definitely is an art to it with the kind of catheter and wire manipulations that we do. You know, in in a setting of stroke, where somebody has an LVO is what we call it, where we get involved. You know, stroke is a big problem, and LVOs make up a small percentage of 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 strokes, but nevertheless, a very detrimental category of people with strokes where they have a clot we can actually see it on ct imaging and their brain is still alive behind that clot and so when people meet that category that's where we get involved as interventionalists and um, we often make our puncture as a small needle in the femoral artery which is in the groin and then from there we thread our way all the way up through the aorta and the carotid artery and then out to the brain and and then you know get a hold of that clot and and and, and suck it out yeah that, that, that's how the doctor described it yeah. yeah that's what happened with my dad so yeah if you've seen any videos of it it's incredible you know to see that blood flow open back up in the brain and mm. that brain be able to really live again so it's pretty cool so um my question is is what like when you went into medical school did you know that this is what you were going to do or did that just kind of come as you went what chose what caused you to choose this specialty yeah you know it was an evolving decision i i my dad is a neurosurgeon um and and so i thought that's what i wanted to do and i really enjoyed my time doing that but i i found that i found a really a dramatic love for for anatomy which drew me to, to radiology first, which is a very image-based anatomy-rich specialty where we're, you know, constantly looking at the anatomy of the body and finding things, you know, that are that, trying to figure out what's wrong. And in that process, I discovered interventional, which gave me kind of the more procedural side of things that I had kind of grown up hearing around with my dad to be able to not only make diagnoses, but actually offer treatments um, and, and, and cure for people. And so it was a great hybrid solution for me to be able to, you know, stick with the anatomy and using that as the driver of the way that we treat people. Cause that's really what the imaging is, is using the anatomy to find ways to, and, and imaging to find ways to treat people. That's pretty awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, um, you said that this is almost like an out procedure. Uh, I would imagine because of the you're only going in with a small needle that it's very uh, unintrusive. Um, uh, I mean, 
before, I mean, years ago, I'm an older guy. Um, it was surgery and you had to cut and go in. And now with this, it's just an, uh, a guided needle that you go in. And, and does that also, because of the um, lack of intrusive surgery, that does that reduce the recovery time as well? Yeah, that's really the goal, you know, and, and, I, and I will throw out a, a resource for people that are interested that go beyond what we can discuss in the podcast. There's a, an initiative called the Interventional Initiative. And so the website there is the interventionalinitiative.org, where you can find little short 10, 15 minute uh, vignettes about patients who've undergone interventional procedures that uh, and the kind of treatments they're offered because it's so broad, it's so hard to kind of in a short time frame compress. But one example is interventional tries really hard to be at the forefront. One of the common problems that people deal with, uh, particularly in, in the male population, is is uh, low urinary tract symptoms from an enlarged prostate. Super common. Really, for a long time, the only option was to have a TERP, which is a pretty invasive procedure that people don't love uh, some of the side effects associated with it. And 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 nowadays, you know, interventional has an option for patients with with enlarged large prostates and lower urinary tract symptoms where we guide a catheter all the way out to the prostate and basically deliver small beads to shut off the blood flow to the prostate and it causes the prostate to shrink and in the majority of people you know they can improve their LUTs so it's it's an example of where that yes that's done you come in the hospital you have a needle puncture you have this procedure done you leave you know two three or at most six hours later and go home and there's still recovery for sure. There is still recovery, but hospitalization time is dramatically less with interventional procedures over over open options. That's awesome. I mean, as somebody who has taken a lot care of a lot of TERP patients, wow, that's amazing that you could be able to do that so quickly and without a lot of the problems that come with a TERP. So, this yeah. is a technology. This is heavy on technology from what what you're talking. So is this, and I I, I guess I want to use the term relative. Is this a relatively new specialty in this area in in radiology or has this been around, this technology been around much longer than I'm assuming it has been? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's considered new. I mean, as far as formal training goes, it's only existed in the last 20 years, 25 years. Oh, right years. on, yeah. Uh, prior to that, there were definitely people practicing interventional. The father of interventional, is na- his name is Charles Dodder, and he was kind of up in the uh, – uh, northwest coast in the Washington area, S- Seattle. And um, he he is the one kind of founded the concept of using minimal invasive techniques to treat problems. And the first real procedure was an angioplasty of, of an artery where he basically passed a smaller device and slowly increased the size to spread out the artery where it was narrow. And that was kind of the revolution was born. And that was in the 1960s. Um, But technology has grown so fast. I mean, the stroke large vessel occlusion technology has really only existed in the last 10 years and is really only hitting the mainstream, meaning outside the big ivory tower academic centers in the last five years. So it's really the forefront of of, of medicine and, and what can be done. And with I was just... Go I'm ahead. sorry. I was just going to ask you, I mean, uh, this is a, it seems like a um, fast evolving technology. Is there certain times that you're, you're reading say trade manuals and, or working in the industry and this new breakthrough comes in and I go, Oh my word, this is a game changer. And you go, and you're anxious to try it out because 
oh my God, it's right there. I can just use this on a patient and I can see how it can help my patients. Yeah, for sure. And and I'll, you know, what you described is exactly what happens regularly. And so, you know, somebody who chooses this specialty really chooses to a lifelong of continued medical education because um, what I'm doing, I was told this when I joined that what I'd be doing 20 years into practice would probably be very different than what I was doing as I trained. Not as completely different, but as an evolution where the ability to do things that we didn't think were possible become possible. And and so it is, It's we, we commit a lot of time to maintaining um, uh, on top of the literature, on top of kind of the data and evidence for the procedures that we offer and, and to, to find, you know, better outcomes. That's really the end goal is better outcomes with lower risk to patients. So, yeah, he- heavily driven technology. I mean, I mean, do you look back at like five years ago and go, oh, my word, we were using horse and buggies back then. <laughs> yeah, I'd say five years is probably a fair, a, a fair <laughs> analogy. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's like the frog in the pot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to see the change from day to day. But when you look back, yes, there's things we're doing today that five years ago, I thought, you know, that was maybe going to be done at very select centers across the country and are now widespread available. I would imagine it's a little bit like cell phones, right? You know what I mean? They change kind of gradually. But then when you look back, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, look at where we were just five years ago and where we are today and um, all of the different things that we can do. So you mentioned um, strokes, you great treatment for strokes that we didn't have just a few years ago and um, for prostate. What other kind of common um, procedures would you do for interventional radiology? Sure. You, you know, I mean, the vascular heavy procedures, we tend to rely heavily on hospital um, resources because they're very resource intensive as far as the equipment. But far more common is just venous insufficiency. So we, we've all heard of varicose veins in the legs and kind of painful tender legs, which is primarily a, a, a disease of the female, but definitely happens in males, is a procedure or, or is is a a disease process where interventional is heavily involved. So patients with varicose veins and venous insufficiency have great treatment options that are for sure outpatient elective cases. So that really is kind of uh, probably makes up a third of our practice is taking care of venous insufficiency patients in the clinic. Um, other areas where we kind of uh, provide the whole package are is, is we we take care of patients with peripheral arterial disease. So the venous insufficiency is a vein problem of the legs and the arterial insufficiency is an artery problem. So people who tend to have atherosclerosis, we all have heard about coronary artery disease and heart attacks. Well, the same process happens everywhere else in the body and in the legs it can limit people's ability to walk and uh, be able to ambulate and do the things they want to do. And that that can all be treated from an interventional uh, interventional perspective. Um, no. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was oh, just well. going to ask you where that, um, you know, where I guess the crossover from the interventional radiology into your cardiologists where they're doing the 
the treatments for atherosclerosis and that type of thing. There definitely is crossover across uh, different practices here. Um, here at, at in in Pocatello specifically, our cardiologists are just completely focused on the heart. If it's outside the heart, it falls into our realm. We share we share you know crossover with vascular surgery for sure as well. Um, but if it's outside the heart here in our community, it's it's a the, the the treatments and the workup and all that are provided from the interventional side of of things. And yeah. So um, Jason gave us a story about his father earlier, but I would imagine that you run. Um, I mean, strokes are typically not always, but typically older patients who aren't aware of technical, you know, advances. Do you ever have those patients that are just, I mean, almost approach your procedures as modern day miracles? Yeah. You know, we, it's it's focusing on stroke here again. We, we had a patient recently, um, unfortunately with COVID, one of the unknown side effects for a lot of the population regarding COVID is, is we've had an increased number of strokes and we know there's a thrombotic effect from COVID itself, or if you have the, if, if you have COVID, the disease, you know, caused by SARS. And, and, and so, um, we've had younger patients with LVOs, again, the large vessel occlusions in the brain in the last 12 months, and it's happening all over the country. And we had a patient on the table who was completely paralyzed on one side, wasn't able to move the left arm or left leg, had a big clot on the right side of the brain in the M1 segment. And when we pulled it out, he started moving around on the table. And at first we were like, stop moving, you know, put, put your arm and leg down. Don't, you know, don't move. And then suddenly we realized that, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> that, that's actually exactly what we want. He'd, when we pulled the clot out, he, you know, immediately began moving his left arm and left leg again. And, and he, in a miraculous way, was discharged from the hospital within two days, which would have been a debilitating, you know, complete paralysis on the side of his body. You know, this is a 58 year old male. So for sure, miraculous, yeah. for sure. Well, Paul, I want you to know I'm I'm not as old as some of maybe the uh, patients you're referring to, and I think it's miraculous. My dad was in the hospital by 10:30, and by 11:45, uh, they had came out and explained to they'd moved a rice uh, rice kernel size clot from his brain, and uh, he's down in Arizona golfing today. So, I mean, you know what I mean? He, I'll tell you what, for me, that was a miracle. So um, that was pretty cool. Well, well, I would imagine that it's a pretty rewarding field being able to see, you know, people who normally would be paralyzed for the rest of their life, you know what I mean, or have inability to talk or being able to recover in that way. Yeah, it, it, I, I would agree. It's it's very rewarding field, all, particularly because the downtime for most of our procedures is so little and, and how minimally invasive it is. And there are, you know, there are areas in our field where oftentimes we're the, you know, the the last option or, or the last resort. You know, one of the areas that interventional gets involved in is, is, is acute hemorrhage. So it's common for patients who have a traumatic event to come in. We discover that they're actively bleeding somewhere, which previously required a huge surgery and, and often now is just treated with the same technologies we use for removing clots, um, you know, sh- shutting down a blood vessel that's bleeding. And so those are really rewarding cases. That's so cool. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier that your dad's a neurosurgeon. 
and uh, that was the field that you were thinking about going in, but you went into this field. Um, so does, I mean, I would imagine the conversation between you and your father must be extremely interesting when you get together because uh, I mean, you, I mean, as a neurosurgeon, he again must deal with a lot of advances in technology um, and has many success stories that he can that he can uh, uh, talk about. And I, I just I, I just wonder how does that go between the, the two of you when you're together? <laughs> I mean, is it like a competition during Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know, uh, for a long time, and and even in the medical community, interventional radiology is a specialty that remains a little little bit unknown and unrecognized for what it can do. And the same was true with my dad. He had no idea what I was going into. And for a long time, he told me I made the wrong decision. And and he had an opportunity to come out and help at Poor Enough Medical Center to fill some locums coverage as a neurosurgeon. And so we got to work together at the same hospital for about a two year period. Wow. And, and, And and so we got, I, I was, a, we were kind of in a close environment. I was able to show him, you know, cases and stuff that we were doing. And during that time, he, he, he came around the corner and he said, you know what? You made the right choice. Yeah, oh, right on. Right on. Excellent. Well, I think, excellent. I think it's kind of standard for all fathers to make sure their, their children know they are making the wrong decision though. So <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't hold that against him, Jared. We, we won't do no, that. No, no. We, we, you know, we, we, we like to tease each other about it pretty, pretty regularly, but, but you know, we get along well. Right on. Well, I don't know. Did you guys hear the timer? Paul? Yes. Did you- yes, yeah. I did. So yes. Fast. I know so fast. it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dr. Bailey, thank you so much for being on the show today. And um, I, I went from uh, not knowing anything to even appreciating it more and more. Um, so thank you for the information. And uh, Raylynn, I do. Uh, let's be sure we get the plug out. Uh, Emergency Medicine Com- Conference, April 30th and May 1st. Registration opens March 15th. And uh, if you're not already getting the emails, uh, please contact us at cetrain.isu.edu. Um, at cetrain.isu.edu. Or you can call us at 208 208- 282-3372. Uh, Dr. Bailey, thank you for being on the show today. Ray Lynn, thank you for carrying the weight for me and Paul today. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us on.